This is CouncilCast, part of the Legal Talk Network, and I'm your host, Karen Conroy. When you face a complex case outside your expertise, you bring in a co-counsel for next-level results. When you want to engage, expand, and elevate your firm, you bring in a marketing co-counsel. In this podcast, I bring in marketing experts who each answer one big question to help your firm achieve more. Here's today's guest. Hi, I'm Davina Frederick. I'm a Florida licensed attorney, a law firm growth strategist, and the founder of Wealthy Woman Lawyer. Wealthy Woman Lawyer serves women law firm owners who want to scale their law firm business to and through a million dollars in gross annual revenue. Karen, it's nice to meet you. It's so great to have you. Thank you so much for being here. And you have had really great success with your own podcast. We chatted, I want to say it was maybe a year or so ago on your podcast. And it's got, I I love following it because you've got great guests, obviously, (laughs) because you had me. (laughs) I had you, that's right. (laughs) But it also really covers a very specific niche. So I wanted to talk to you about that. And then I will also introduce our our big question for today is going to be what are the top mistakes that law firm owners make with content marketing. But before that, I wanted to spend a minute just talking about that idea of niche, niche, what I, I don't know, what do you think is the right pronunciation to start? Like, oh. I say niching down, but I, I niching, you know, like, but you know, some people say niche, niching. Yeah. So it, it does not, I, I don't know. I don't know if we're going to be grammatically correct today, but that's what I say. We're going to go with it. Okay. That, right? Sounds good. We'll, we'll say niche. <laughs> and I got a lot of kickback when I decided to only work with lawyers from some of my MBA friends about how they thought I was uh, shooting myself in the foot. And so I know personally how that can be perceived incorrectly. Uh, but I also have seen so many of my clients be fearful of that and worry about basically just making enough money for that to work. And I feel like it, I know personally that it's a backwards approach. But tell me what your thoughts are and how, how that's worked for you. Well, it's worked out really well for me, but I did start out with uh, women law firm owners. I started out, I'm an attorney and I have a background in business and marketing. And so when I started this business, I started it under a different name and it was really about helping small business owners develop strategies in service-based businesses, which is what my background is in, you know, engineering and law firms and the like. And the people most attracted to me were other women law firm owners because I had started my own successful law firm business right out of law school and grown it very successfully. And so they wanted to know how I did that. And so naturally that's who I was attracting. And I worked with both men and women for a while, law firm owners. But I remembered someone once said to me that if you're speaking to everyone, you're speaking to no one. Yes. And I, I think of cocktail party syndrome. I don't know if you've ever heard cocktail party syndrome, but that's when you're out someplace and you hear your name. When you hear your name, if you're standing here talking to somebody, you hear your name, you automatically, out of all the sounds that you hear, that catches your attention and you turn and you look and you go, who's talking about me? Who's calling my name? That is really the principle that I am applying when I'm creating this niche. When I'm saying I'm speaking to women law firm owners, that is going to be a very different, more dialed in approach and conversation. There are going to be things that I discuss with women law firm owners that I would not discuss with men law firm owners, let's say. Sure. And it's not that I hate men. I love men, you know, like I've, you know, I've worked with men and I love working with men. You're married to me, one. And- <laughs> I'm married to one. Yeah. I'm the daughter of one, yeah. you know, but for me, it was really about when I started holding in-person group events. Yeah. 
And I realized the conversations we would be having would be very different yes. if I had men in the room. Yeah. And so it's always about sort of thinking about not so much who's in the room, who's not in the room. Like I want to, I want to really call out and dial in on the specific problems of women law firm owners and women law firm owners. It's different from women lawyers in general. Yeah. You know, women lawyers in general who might be working someplace are not going to have the same kind of questions because they're not running a business, right. at least not a law firm business, right? Yeah. So that's why I did it. And it's worked out very well because people know that I'm speaking to them. Right. And it's not, oh, she's saying 20% of things that I can take away. And then, you know, there's 80% that could, that is more generic, that could be for anyone, or maybe doesn't even apply to me. It's all specifically for the kind of thing I'm doing today and stuff that I can apply to the way I'm building this as a business today and over the next, you know, future of this, of this business. I think that's really important because I think people do go into it with this idea of fear and that if they go too small, that first of all, there are lots of women law firm owners out there, not just women lawyers, but people who, women who are owning law firms. And every time I work with a a woman owned law firm, it's a different, completely different experience than working with uh, law firms that are owned by men. And they just have a different approach. They have a different approach to business and they have a different approach with their clients. So everything needs to be set up in a different way. Yes. Yes. And their team. Yeah. Definitely. And they also typically the core of the firm and their business is different than how a man is approaching the the overall experience, what their goals are, what the reason for even having the firm to begin with, why they became a lawyer. It's all different. Women are different creatures than men. So of course, when you set up a, a law firm or a business or a combination, it's going to be a different experience than for men. So with that yes. in mind, these women are coming to you and they're seeking you out and they're asking you all these questions because they see you as a success story. And you then start talking to them about some of the mistakes that they're making. And so tell me what's, what some of these mistakes are that they're making, especially with their content marketing. Okay, great, great. So I wrote uh, a book on the subject of marketing, and it is one of the series. My wealthy, there you go. My wealthy, I got it behind you. Sure, thanks. Thanks for the plug there for my wealthy woman lawyers guide to law firm marketing in the virtual age. Right. So I wrote this is one of a series of books. I'll also be writing other books. I have one coming out soon on a different topic, also wealthy woman lawyers guide, but. As part of that, I, I try to demystify marketing yeah. because I find so many business owners have a lot of fear around marketing. A lot of attorneys, women law firm owners have some fear around marketing. They don't like it, especially in this day and age when we see so much on social media. Yes. A lot of people are using social media for their marketing. Some would say your strategy is incomplete if you're not including social media. And it requires a little bit more visibility. Yeah. So you're having to do what you and I are doing, which is having conversations publicly so other people can hear them and listen in or put your face out there and become more visible on video or that kind of thing. And it can feel very intimidating to a lot of people, especially older women sure. like myself, who, you know, we didn't grow up with that. That's not what we did for, for marketing business before you went to networking events. Yeah. And so I'm like, gosh, now I got to think about it. I have to be on video. So I created this little list about what I think some of their mistakes are making and when they're approaching content marketing. And the, the first thing is, is 
the need to overprepare. Yeah. Is they often feel a need to overprepare. As attorneys, it is uh, those details, the details in our work really matter. They're very important. People's livelihoods and lives, in some cases, are on the line. So, as an attorney, the details are really important. So, we are trained, our brains are trained that way to be very detail oriented. So, now it comes time for us to prepare our social media. And we're going out and we're writing whole papers before we go give a little live webinar. Right. You know, like we have to feel like if anybody asks us any question that we automatically have the answer to it and we can't stumble, we can't be wrong, we can't do something that's like awkward. You know, yes. like we just, we feel like it has to be perfect. That's that perfection syndrome. And so the first mistake I see people see them make is is really over-preparing. Yeah. Spending too much time and... And it reduces and the authenticity of it. I feel like what people right. really want to see is the realness of it and see the behind the scenes and see where you are also struggling and, ha- and at least challenged by whatever this topic is that you're talking about. And the more you talk and the more you kind of are there and present, whether you are dotting every I and crossing every T, you're there and you're top of mind. And when you are too perfect, it's suspect. You know, it's like when you read and you come across an Amazon product and it has five million five star reviews. It's like <laughs> um, I, there wasn't ever one person that would didn't like it. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Even in this book that I wrote, uh, it's super. Like I'm, I'm a professor and I'm a, I'm a trained editor and writer. Yeah. And even in this book, it was like, it's very vulnerable to write a book and put it out there. And the, when I first thing it happened, when I got it, it had all gone to proofing, gone to press, whatever. I got it, opened it. Somebody had made a change. There was a typo right there in the table of contents. And I'm like, oh my God, oh, no. I'm freaking like, and I start going through it, looking for all the typos. And it, that's, but that's the kind of thing we get into our head about yeah. is it's really not like what's important is the message yes. and the people that the message is meant for will, will see that. And they'll they'll realize, you know, in the big scheme of things, this is not that big of a deal. Right. right. So that's number one. So step one, take a deep breath and just get out there and be a little imperfect because that's what people want to see, that you're a human and, you know, not so much that you're kind of stumbling and, and making a, a giant disaster, but just a little, just a little imperfect. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's okay if you goof up yeah. and you mess up. It's all sure. right. It'll It'll be fine. All right. So the second thing, and I wrote these down just so that I wouldn't sure. forget to, to the order I had them in, was trying to do everything themselves oh, yes. instead of hiring experts. Oh, this my, is my goodness. favorite one. Listen, the amount of content, let me just say that it can feel intimidating when you're on social media. Instagram is trigger, particularly triggering to me because of comparison. I just, yeah. You're triggering and you're seeing all these great things and you're going, oh my God, I need to get up and be hustle. I need to start hustling because I, all these people are ahead of me on the hustle. Right. And if you're looking for... Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, YouTube, whatever, there simply aren't enough hours in the day to do it all. And you're not supposed to because you really need to be looking as a business owner at the highest and best use of your time. The highest and best use of your time is not coming up with a caption for your Instagram or scheduling posts on your Instagram or, you know, editing your video. Oh my gosh, if I ever (laughs) have to edit a video, it's really not talking about imperfection. Like, (laughs) There's certain things that I, they would never get done if they were left to me to right. do them because they're not my wheelhouse. I don't like yep. them. 
So surround yourself with people who are there to make you look good. And I, I'll use the example of my podcast team really yeah. quick. My podcast team for the last three years, they have just done a really great job in helping me manage all the details of my podcast. Yes. So I literally show up and talk with people, which is my favorite part of it. And then they're doing the other things. They're helping me get good guests booked. They're helping me. They send gifts out to my prospective speakers. They, you know, edit everything. They write show notes, all yeah. of that. So if you're sitting there thinking that I'm doing it and you're feeling bad about yourself because you're not able to do what I'm able to do, that's why. Yes. It's because it's not right. me. It's a whole bunch of great people behind me. And they they get you to the idea to the completion point. And Seth Godin, one of my marketing favorite geniuses, he talks a lot about shipping. And by shipping, he means if you had a product that you actually had to get into a box and ship it, which we don't, we are service-based. So shipping just means getting to a point of completion, finishing that project, finishing the case, whatever that point of completion is. But people get stuck right before the idea of shipping. And they think that the idea and drafting the idea and kind of getting it to 80% is done, which it's not. And you have to get to that, whatever is going to get you to that shipping point is what needs to happen. And so I also have people who help me with the podcast. And I knew coming in, because I had done just a fun podcast on the side years ago, and I knew how much work it was. And so I said, if I'm going to do this, and on a professional level, I absolutely cannot do it all myself. And so I knew coming in, I needed to have a producer. And that was going to be part of the way that this was going to ship. If I wanted this to happen, I might be excited about it in the first month or two, which actually wasn't even the case because the first month or two is so much more work when you're like getting all the pieces together to launch. But then the idea is that this brings in more work or more traffic or more of something. And you should not have time to sit and edit your podcast and to book the guests and to produce those show, show notes. That That is not what you are doing this for. You are not doing this so that you can have the fun of editing a podcast. <laughs> Yeah, so, you can, so you can give yourself yet another job right. when you can't already do all the jobs that are on your plate, right? right? Exactly. No. So that's the thing with, with marketing is that getting surrounding yourself with experts, you're an expert in your field. And you may have, so for me, I have a lot of, I'm fortunate, I mean, I have a long career, so I've developed a lot of skills over the course of my career. Yeah. And there are a lot of things that I'm capable of doing and I can do, but the more of those good things, things I'm good at that I take on the less opportunity I have to focus on what I'm great at, what yes. fills me, what fills me with joy, right? Yeah. So hire people to help you. You want people to hire you as a legal expert instead of going to LegalZoom or getting yes. some other sort of thing. You know, respect people in other professions by inviting them in as the experts they are at treating them because I guarantee you they know a lot of stuff about their field of expertise that you don't know and you don't need to go get a whole another degree or education on right. it. And I feel like it's really a sign of success when you are rising to the level that you are bringing in those experts to raise you up to the next level. So when you're surrounded, like you said, by those experts, they are going to get things done and do things at a level that you wouldn't even do yourself. And then it raises you to that level of expertise and boosts your own expertise and you just keep rising because of it. So yeah. it's yet another sign of that success and, and building yourself up to be that wealthy law firm owner. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So overestimating how much their content is being seen by others. Oh yes, I love this. It's something that I don't think people really realize that they're that they're doing. That's a mistake. 
just because we're seeing our content everywhere and obsessing over it and looking at it all the time doesn't mean that we're getting that many other people's eyes or ears on the content. We're yes. putting things out there. And so repurpose, 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 repurpose. Yep. Use that, get it everywhere. Because three months from now, a whole different group of people are going to be engaging with your content. And you want to make sure that they hear those wonderful things that you've done. So you don't have to create content every stinking day of the week to try to like get stuff out there. Right. You can create content in bulk and then have it repurposed and rerun and reshared in different platforms in different ways. And if the content is really good quality to begin with, so I think that's where the first step is to make sure that you are, when you're putting the effort in to create that content, whether it's a blog post or a podcast episode, when you make it really high quality and put the thought into it and realize that, okay, this is something that I want to ideally be evergreen, that we could come back and revisit. I had some blog posts that I wrote on Lawyerist 10 years ago that talk about the basics of marketing and the basics of how you set up a marketing plan that are still valid now because they are almost like textbook articles. And so right. as long as it's quality stuff, you should be able to come back to it. So you need to start with making sure that you're putting out good stuff. Right. Absolutely. And Google cares about that, too. And Google knows whether it's quality by how much people visit it. And so you have to make sure that you're putting that time and make it really great quality. And then you can come back to it over time. And I have often come back to those articles and updated it and changed it a little bit and, you know, just made it a little more fresh. fresh. Yeah. But then it's still at the core, the same basic ideas. And you can continue to make that a core of your message, but also not have to reinvent the wheel every time. Yeah. When, and when you're working with a team, accumulating those intellectual property assets over over time and accumulating them in a way where you can, when you're bringing a new team member on board, you're switching service providers to help you. Being able to just share all that and say, look, that library adds up over time. Yeah. And now now your, your messages, all your core themes and your messages are, are in that content and you can give it to them and go here, repurpose some of this stuff. I know some of my blogs have been repurposed over and over again by people when I'm on 40 people. I'm like, go to my blogs and, you know, yeah. like take some of that and create a carousel out of it or something. Yeah. And, and I don't really, I don't blog actively anymore because I podcast and we use the transcripts for that, you know, yeah. for SEO for my site. But all of that content is, is still uh, usable and you don't have to be the one going back to our last one you don't have to be the one right. to repurpose all that either you don't have to make it perfect and on the same note it's important to go back and make sure that it is some good stuff because over the years and years that i've been putting content out there there's somewhere i look at it i'm like mm, that was maybe okay six years ago but we don't really say that or do it that way anymore so get rid of it and google yeah. doesn't want to see your blog bulked up with stuff that nobody wants to see either so make sure you're going through and doing a content audit every couple years or so and get rid of the stuff that is kind of bulking it up unnecessarily. That's such a good point to make. I don't hear a lot of people talking about that very often. I, I love talking about kind of the value of the content and and yeah. repurposing. I, it's like, you know, it's like a good thing for Earth Day. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. It's, and it's very, that's very in right now, you know, yeah. sustainability and all that. We have a, a problem with the supply chain, yes. all those things. So we're just on, we're on trend. Exactly. Uh, Karen, we're on trend. <laughs> exactly. Okay. Let's talk about uh, what you're reading or the book that you have to recommend. 
Well, the the issue that I have is that I'm always reading, and Me I'm too. reading usually two or three at one time. Oh, uh, uh, because I'll have something on Audible, and then I'll have something on Kindle, and I'll have you can't see all the bookshelves around me, but sure. I have three bookshelves in my office. So I'm going to share with you one of my favorite books, and that is the the Dichotomy of Leadership. Ooh, the Dichotomy of Leadership is by Jocko Willink and Leif Babin. And they are the authors of Extreme Ownership, which is a popular uh, book you may have heard of. That was their first book. And it's like as big as a phone book. That thing is, it, it's a real tome. It's a real read. But, and I like Extreme Ownership, but I was introduced to the two of them by their second book, which is The Dichotomy of Leadership. So the concept of Extreme Ownership is that these two guys who wrote this are uh, former Navy SEALs. Oh. So what they do now is they have a business consulting company. And they help corporations improve their leadership. And so what they've done is they wrote the book Extreme Ownership. And it's about applying the principles of the Navy SEALs to business in terms of leadership. And they say there are no bad teams, only bad leaders. And it's really about you taking ownership. You are 100% accountable and responsible for your team and and the outcome that you achieve with your team. So if you're not getting the outcome you desire, there's not, there's an issue with you as a leader, Yeah, not necessarily with your team. And it may be your team and there may be somebody, so there may be somebody on your team you need to let go, but if you haven't let them go yet, that's your, that's your issue as a leader. So that's what I love about extreme ownership and the dichotomy of leadership. I think what happened is so many people read the book and took it to extreme. And so, and so they <laughs> well, took, in the title. Like, I'm responsible for everything. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. You know, and there's a lot of, you know, whipping themselves and whatever. Yeah. So I think they had to come out with something. You go to the like, well, okay, let me balance let's this a little bit. It up you know, like, let's, not, <laughs> yeah. let's not like beat ourselves over the head yeah. if we're not perfect sure. and doing it. So they wrote this and it's, and so they, ba- they talk about the balance. So they take their principles that they talked about in extreme ownership. And then they talk about the flip side and sort of there's a, there's a balance to it. Right. So I just like, and they, uh, they've had other, at least another book since then, I think maybe a couple, but I just really like it. They, t- you know, they tell the story uh, from their perspective. They'll give you examples of their time in, in country, in the military oh, cool. uh, and the action, something that actually happened where the principal, they use that as an example of the principal. And then they tell you the principal and then they, give you an example as applied to business through some of their clients. Oh, that's cool. And so cool. it's just really a good read. Yeah, yeah really I love hearing read. the stories like that. I mean, you know, it's like anytime you're reading good stuff, there's always some good stories behind it. I love Malcolm Gladwell yeah. for business just because he's such a great storyteller and it yeah. makes it so much more memorable when you can visualize this, the concept in in the terms of that story. And then I, you know, I can repeat his stories all day long. That sounds excellent. I like the idea of the balanced version, too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's how I came into it was extreme was the dichotomy of leadership because I looked at extreme ownership and I'm like, OK, this is going to be war and peace. And I'm going to try the time <laughs> yeah. to commit to it. Yeah. So I, I went in that and, I'm, and I and I really love that. It's a little shorter, but I really love that. And then uh, I did go back and read Extreme Ownership because I was compelled after reading it to go, okay, let me go back and and dig into that. Yeah, That sounds excellent. I I think that ties in perfectly with this idea of especially women law firm owners and kind of finding their place in some of these mistakes they might be making and then also just in developing their own firm and and figuring figuring all these things out but also realizing how to address their clients needs in the right way with their team and making yeah. sure their team is all in the right place and all of that. Yeah. It's, it's a big challenge. The team it is. the team piece but when you're scaling your law firm business 
fatigue piece of it is a, a core challenge. Oh, because yeah. And it continues you, to be like it, it never yeah. really goes away. You know, you yeah. find just the right thing. And then all of a sudden, somebody has a life change. <laughs> so then you have to like make <laughs> make other changes. But and, you know, it's just dealing with humans. That's just kind of how yeah. things go, I think. Well, I think, yeah, it's, I think it's important to understand the difference to in leadership versus management and yes. what your role is. Yeah. And so if you have a small law firm and you're not yet, you haven't yet layered some hierarchy in it, you may be both. You may be yeah. the leader and the manager. But as your firm grows, you get bigger and bigger and bigger. You're going to then need to cultivate leaders on different levels. And some of those may be managers. Managers are more the day-to-day operations, making sure things get done. Yeah. And leadership is really about being inspirational and creating that vision, holding that vision, inspiring people to galvanize around that vision. Yeah. And so I, that's where a lot of work, uh, a lot of, we do a lot of work uh, with my clients in, in really rising up as leaders because they're already natural leaders but just putting a little fuel to that fire and giving them a lot of clarity around it. Yeah, it's hard to not jump down in and just get involved and get things done when you see something that needs to be done too. I mean, I have the same problem myself where it's like, oh, I could just do that in five seconds and it's never five seconds. And in in those 15 minutes that I thought it was going to be five seconds, I could have done some other significant thing that also didn't disempower my the person who was working for me. <laughs> so yeah. it's hard. Yes. It's always hard. Yes, it is. It is. What I say is that as high achieving women, what got us here is not what it's going to get us to the next level. Yes, that's because so important. Because as high important. achieving women, we got here of our own willpower and our own late night studying and taking tests and applying for the business license. And all, we did all these things that got ourselves here. But if we want to next level our business and really that point where you're scaling it from, you know, half a million to a million and beyond to two million, five million is where you're really having to layer in and rely on and you're not going to know. You can yeah. you can have all the de- control of all the details yep. or you can have growth, but right? you cannot have both. Yeah. Right? And it's a different business model. Once you get past that, you know, one right. man show versus the whole team and, and a company, that's a completely different business model. And you have to figure out how to, you know, clone yourself and figure out how to get all those people in the right place so that you aren't doing every little step and and that mm-hmm. is, it's, it's a lot. There's a lot involved in yeah. that. So, and we, and we're, we're not, none of us are, none of us are born out of the womb knowing how to do right? anything, you know, like, so it's a skill at like any other skill that right. you can learn is, is what right. I And surrounding you. yourself with the women who have gone through that, finding those success stories and connecting with all of that is, is really the way to do it in, you know, how long our lifetime is. We have to, you know, if, if we had like five lifetimes, we could probably try to figure it out all out on our own. I don't know why you would want to when you can yeah. go and connect all of, you know, to all of the communities out there and all the resources. And that's the way you do it in a single lifetime is to really expedite your own process and your own success by finding and gathering all of the details and, and the resources and community that are out there, like your Absolutely. book. <laughs> And, yeah. and your podcast and, and, you know, everything that you're putting out there. Thank you so much for being here. Davina Frederick is the founder and CEO of Wealthy Women Lawyer. It's a great podcast. I highly recommend it. And we will also link to her current book and the future book in the show notes. Thank you again for being here. I really appreciate your time. Thank you, Karen. I really enjoyed it. Thank you for listening to this episode of the CouncilCast podcast. Be sure to visit our website at council-cast.com 
for the resources mentioned on the episode and to give us your feedback. If you enjoyed this episode, I would appreciate if you could rate and review the podcast on Apple and subscribe to your favorite podcast platform. See you on the next one.